Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. We are continuing our series on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit encounter, having an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And again, just as a reminder, you know, this, we got into this series and we just have to realize that the Holy Spirit is not a side item. The Holy Spirit is not, um, you know, something that, uh, you know, we just kind of pick up as we go. The Holy Spirit is necessary. And we're talking today about the refiner's fire. The refiner's fire. That's what we're going to be talking about. The refiner's fire. I kind of switched it up. So the media team is scrambling right now um, uh, because we had a different sermon. But um, we're going to be, it, it, the Lord just put this on my heart um, because the Holy Spirit comes to us and is symbolized in different ways. Okay. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit, we see a, a symbol as water. Amen. We see a symbol of, as, as life, uh, water. We see a symbol uh, about the Holy Spirit as oil, that oil that we burn. And also a symbol of the Holy Spirit is fire fire amen and that's it's that is that refiner's fire amen it's that refiner's fire and so when we have an encounter with the holy spirit one of the things that um we see is the first time the holy spirit was poured out on people i'm not talking about in the old testament where god placed his spirit upon people for a specific anointing and a specific task and then he lifted his spirit Amen. They were anointed for a specific task, but they were not baptized. They were not filled as we are in the New Testament with the Holy Spirit. The first time we see the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, is on the day of Pentecost in the upper room. And the Holy Spirit actually came down as cloven tongues of fire. We'll read that in just a minute. Uh, but one of the things that I noticed is when Jesus was baptized... When Jesus was baptized in water by John the Baptist, uh, the Holy Spirit manifests himself not as fire to Jesus, but as a dove. Anybody remember that? It came down in bodily form. That means they saw a physical dove come down and light upon Jesus. And I think that's very significant because there's a reason that this fire, uh, and I'm just calling, I know God talks about the refiner's fire. He will be a refiner's fire. But I believe the Holy Spirit will be like a refiner's fire for us. And when we hear that term, it's not a term that we have to be afraid of. Okay, you think fire. Oh my God, consuming fire. Uh, but this fire that, that represents the Holy Spirit is actually the best thing that would ever happen to us. This refiner's fire. So we're talking about a Holy Spirit encounter. A Holy, Spirit, a Holy Spirit encounter is simply this, an, an extraordinary divine, that means it's given by God. Uh, God appoints the time and the place and the way. It's a divine appointment with God's presence and power that radically revolutionizes your life 
in my life and it refreshes you with strength and sharpened vision. That's what an encounter with the Holy Spirit does, presence and power. And it gives you sharpened vision. Remember we talked about you'll be able to see around corners with the Holy Spirit. Not just prophesy about someone else. You'll be able to see what's coming. You'll be able to see what's coming. God will give you vision. He'll give you vision. And uh, as we talked about last week, it was prophesied and then uh, re-prophesied, if you will, that's a term, by Jesus, that he would come and baptize us with the Holy Spirit. If you turn over to Luke chapter 3, give a couple of scriptures to you real quick. Luke chapter 3, uh, we see where John is here and people are asking John, they're wondering, is he the Messiah? You know, what's going on here with John? Who is he and what's he going to do? John's there baptizing with water. And in, in uh, verse 16, not John 3.16, but Luke 3.16, but it's still talking about John. He, John answers and he says to everyone, he says, I indeed baptize you with water. Come on. But one, one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit and with what? With fire. When you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, the representation there is fire. Fire. Why is that? There's a reason for that. Just flip over to Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And then flip to chapter 2. Let's look at the first four verses of Acts chapter 2. This is what we were talking about. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. You know, can I just have a, just a little side note here? Often we wonder, why does God not move in our midst? Why do, why do we not see the miracles that we, that we sometimes see maybe even in other countries? Or why do we not see the miracles that we've seen in the book of Acts? Why uh, do, do people uh, not get up out of wheelchairs? Why are people not resurrected? Come on. Why are people not healed when they pray? Why do we not see these signs and wonders? And if we look back to the first time the Holy Spirit was poured out, one of the things we think about is fire, and we think about they were praying and speaking in tongues and all of those things, and we forget the part that says they were all on one accord. Maybe if we could get on one accord, we might see some miracles. We're praying, God, move, send your spirit. And God's saying, I will, as soon as you get on one accord. As soon as the spirit is not the problem. Miracles are not the problem. One accord. And suddenly there came a sound, a sound from heaven, a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the place, the whole house where they were sitting. And they, it appeared to them as divided tongues. The King James says cloven tongues. Come on. Divided tongues as of fire. Cloven tongues of fire. One sat upon each of them. Each had their own tongue. Come on. Of fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, we don't know the, the, the manifestation here or what it, exactly that was, or we weren't there. We don't know what that looked like. Um, I don't know if it was real fire. I, I imagine if it was real fire, earthly fire, that it might have burned their hair off, kind of like 
You know, I don't know. I don't know what it was. But I know to them, it looked like tongues of fire that came upon them. So when the, when the disciples, this, these 120 or so disciples in this upper room on the day of Pentecost, we see the Holy Spirit manifested himself, himself in two ways. One was a mighty rushing wind. They heard this sound, this sound and a mighty rushing wind. Holy Spirit comes on the scene. Come on. There's a sound. There's a sound, a mighty rushing wind. And then it appeared to them as flames of fire miraculously appeared on each one's head. And so when we think of that, we think, why, Lord, why did you, uh, you, when Jesus was baptized in water, why did the Holy Spirit light upon him as a dove? But for us, if we're going to be like Jesus, for us, it appears as fire. And there's a reason for that. Jesus was born with perfect blood, wasn't he? Jesus did not sin, though he could have. He could have sinned. He had the ability. Come on. If he didn't have the ability, what's the big deal then? How can we be like him? He had the ability because he was wrapped in flesh while he was on earth. He could have sinned if he wanted to, but he did not sin. He who was without sin, come on, took all of our sin, right? Because he had perfect blood. He didn't sin. There was no sin in him. Therefore, there was nothing to burn out of him in that way. Oh, but you and I, look in the mirror now. Come on. Come on now. I ain't talking about you. I'm, I'm looking at myself. I don't know about you, but I could, I could stand to have some things burned out. I might not like it, but, I, but I, could, I could stand to have a few things burned out. Come on. But it wasn't just the purging and burning out that this fire represented. I, and there's many ways that if you look through here and, and you read scripture and you study and you pray and ask God to speak to you, there, there's many uh, ways that this fire represents the Holy Spirit, just the fire itself. But I just want to throw at you five things that this fire does for us. Five benefits that we get from the Holy Spirit and fire, specifically fire from the Holy Spirit. Come on. First of all, this fire is here to destroy satanic plantings and strongholds. How many know that if you live life for any amount of time, then you are subject to some satanic, satanic plantings and some strongholds will begin to some yokes of bondage. Come on, some habits, some ways that you think, some ways that you talk. Come on, some of those things uh, become strongholds uh, in our lives. Come on. And we begin to put things that are earthly above God. I mean, things of value, like other people. Come on, like rules, like things that are good. Any of those things, we still, we can't put anything good or bad above God. Because even good things become an idol. Satan uses good things. Come on, people. Satan uses good things to put us in a yoke of bondage. He uses good things to bring strongholds that will keep us, traditions that will keep us from seeing and moving in the spirit of God. And these satanic plantings and strongholds, come on, fear is one of them. As you think back at, at, at Peter, Peter really moved in fear a lot of his life before he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I can think of a few instances before that day of Pentecost. Think about the time that Jesus was walking on, walking on water toward the disciples. What was their first response? It's a ghost. It's a ghost. We don't know what it is. They were, they were fearful. 
But Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, when, he, when they call, is it a ghost? He said, look, hey, do not be afraid. It is me. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear is, is, fear is like, have you ever been walking down the street? Maybe you're walking down the street at night. Maybe when you were a kid, you were walking home from your friend's house. And uh, all of a sudden, the, the, the wind rustled up a little bit. And you, you heard a leaf. And all of a sudden, you thought a dog was up there and was going to bite you. And you, you ran the other way. And all of a sudden, you realize you're running from nothing. It's just because there's something that's unknown to you. I think a lot of Christians, we live our life that way. We are so fearful of nothing. We are so fearful of the unknown. And if whatever we're fearing manifests, do we not believe that God is stronger than whatever we fear? Whatever embarrassment that might take place, God is stronger than all of those things. And sometimes what happens is fear grips us so much until we can't move forward. And God is saying, come on, come on, jump in the water, jump in the deep end. Look at what I have for you. You won't know until you jump in. You can't see it. You want to see it. Well, let me see for No, you can't see it. I can't see the bottom of the pool. I can't see what's all the way down there. But he's saying, jump in. I'm here. I got you. But fear has us gripped so much that we don't want to move forward. And the Holy Spirit fire comes to burn all of that fear out of us. Burn it out of us. Come on. Burn it out, Lord. Burn it out. And then when, G when Peter said, well, Lord, if it's you, he just said, it's I, it is me. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, then let me come to you on the water. Jesus said, come, come on. I'm down here. Come on. Walk on the water. So he began to walk on the water until... You know the story, until he saw the wind and the waves and everything was counter to him. At that point, fear came back and he began to sink. But Jesus shined that on and he said, here, take my hand and come on up. That's, that's the Lord we serve. He wants to burn that fear out of us. Fear is a satanic planting and it is a stronghold. It's one of the strongest strongholds that keeps us from fulfilling our destiny. Fear is not of God, folks. <laughs> it's not of God. We know 2 Timothy. God has not given us what? We know that. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. That's right. Love, power, and a sound mind. Peter didn't have to run to a deliverance minister. He just had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he didn't have to be, if I can say this, I don't want to get on your nerves this morning, but he didn't have to be in a special service. He didn't have to wait for a revival. He didn't have to wait for a preacher to come to town. Come on. He didn't have to wait for the revival service. He didn't have to wait for, uh, he didn't even have to wait for Billy Graham to come. When's the next Billy Graham crusade? He didn't have to wait for any of that. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says if you want the Holy, the Bible doesn't say if you want the Holy Spirit, wait for the next revival, the great revival that's coming. If it's up in Toronto, save your money and drive up there and then you can get the Holy Spirit. No, Jesus said, just ask. Just ask. He didn't say you had to be at church, in the church building to ask. He didn't say, you just ask. That's all he said. If a father who was evil would not give you a snake if you ask for a piece of bread, how much more your father in heaven will give you the Holy Spirit with fire to burn those things out of you if you just ask. Just ask. In fact, you know what? Today I feel that Every fear that's been 
painting us into a corner. Come on. The pictures that have been in our mind that have not even manifest yet. Uh, the things that we're afraid of. We're afraid of other people. We're afraid of what they would say about us. We're afraid of what the pandemic is going to do. We're afraid. We're afraid of all these things. What's going to happen this fall with politics in the United States? We're afraid of all these things. I believe today the Lord is breaking all of those fears out of us because he is the ruler. He's the one who is at, Jesus is the one who's at the right hand of the Father. And it doesn't matter who's president. It doesn't matter what pandemic is running around. It doesn't matter what our economy is those things not that we should we can be concerned about we have to live here on the earth yes and we can make it better but Jesus last time I checked is still on the throne and the earth is his footstool come on and all therein belong to him not just you and me but everything plants bears viruses tornadoes water whatever you can think of is under him it's all under him and don't give me that then if there's a God then why do tornadoes happen don't give me that don't give me that you do that and I do that God doesn't do that sin came in the world God didn't bring sin in the world he didn't bless it that's a poor excuse I know we should be with about apologetics but that's a poor excuse I don't hear that no more I don't want to hear it no more God is a good guy he doesn't do all that stuff see you want to you want to you want to you want to praise God when you see something great and, and when we see stuff bad we want to blame God Come on. And he's leaving it not. We want free will, but then we want to know why, why are there wars. But you want free will. What do you want? You want free will? <laughs> or do you want God to treat you as a puppet? Let me move. That's not even on. Let me move on. He's going to tell you, he's going to destroy those satanic plantings and strongholds. The second thing is, the fire is for explosive growth and expansion. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, a twofold uh, answer to this one. Uh, explosive growth and expansion. First of all, in your own life. Uh, in your own life, I mean an explosive growth of you growing closer to God. I'm talking about everything. I'm not, and I'm not just preaching some, what do they call it, sloppy agape, come on. I'm not preaching all that, but I'm telling you, God will bless your finances if you're faithful to him. He'll bless your relationship, your marriage relationship, your family, those family members you've been praying for to get saved or to overcome. He'll bless that. He'll bless your grades in school. Come on, he'll bless you to get a better car. He'll bless you. He'll bless you. Oh, oh, there's expansion and growth. Oh, the, the problem is not that, that God doesn't want to bless us, that God doesn't want to prosper us, that God doesn't want to heal us. As always, the problem is us. We're not lining up with him. He loves to do, God is a father. What makes you think he doesn't want to bless you? He said it in Deuteronomy, I'll bless you when you come into the house to worship. I'll bless you when you go out of the house to witness. I'll bless you in the field when you're working. I'll bless you on your job. Come on, I'll bless you in here, there, wherever you are. My blessing will be upon you. All you have to do is line yourself up with me. That's all you have to do. Read your word every day. Pray. What is God saying to me? He, he's, I believe that he's preparing us for expansion and growth in all areas. Come on. I believe this church is going to grow. I believe our families are going to grow. I believe your finances are going to grow. Come on. I believe all of that. And God, listen, it's, it's not unprecedented. It's not unprecedented. Peter got up right after they were filled with the Holy Spirit and he preached. He preached for about 18 minutes. Come on, because I read it and that's how long it took. He preached for about 18 minutes. 
Come on, it looks like it's long because it's like three pages. It's not that long. He preached for 18 minutes, come on, about Jesus and the resurrected Jesus. He condemned some people, yes he did, uh, with the word of God. And all of a sudden, 3,000 people were added to the church. You can't tell me that God is not about expansion and growth in our lives. Not just people in every area of our lives. He, he's about us expanding and growing. God is about multiplication. Come on, God is about more. You bring the more, God. You bring the more. There's a song called You Bring the More. We got to do that song. Come on. You bring the more. He brings more. Yes, we love to say you're able to do exceeding and abundantly above all you can ask, we can ask or think. Do we believe that though? Do we believe it? Why do we ask for so little? God, bring me closer to you. Show me revelation. Come on. Give me more, more of you. He's about expansion and growth. And that fire that comes in us also is a fire that comes in us to, to duplicate ourselves, to replicate. What do I mean by that? I don't just mean discipling, but I mean discipling in a way where we're bringing in those who don't know the Lord. We're bringing in the unchurched. Come on. He'll give you the boldness. And as I said before, you don't have to be some preacher with a pulpit. It could just be about the way you live. It could be about a kind word. But if it's the fire of the Holy Spirit, so you can say the same words without the Holy Spirit have no effect. Those same exact words with the fire of the Holy Spirit for expansion and growth will go out and it will bring back a harvest. Why? Because your words people might listen to. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But God's word never returns to him void. When it's God's word, it never returns to him void. See, the, the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit of God with fire gives life. It gives life to us. In Acts 19, there was such an explosion, explosion and expansion of growth. Many who practiced sorcery and all of those type of things, they gave all that up. If you read that chapter, and they said, I'm just following Jesus. Jesus just walked along and said, follow me. Come on, follow me, Peter. But I'm, I'm in the middle of fishing. Follow me, follow me. Come on, like the Pied Piper. That's the Holy Spirit firing you will do that very thing. People will be attracted to you. I'm telling you, I've been in, I've been in my workplace and I know I haven't done anything special. I know, I, you know, people say he's a nice guy, but I haven't done anything special for anyone to pay attention to me. I know I'm not the smartest guy at work. I know I'm not even the best worker. I try to be the best worker I can, but I'm not the best worker there. Come on. I know all of those things, but for some reason, when I'm in line with God, when I'm, when I'm in a spiritual place where God is filling me and refilling me with his Holy Spirit, I can go to work and say nothing and people will be drawn to me. They'll bring problems. What should I do about this? How would I, how should I know? I don't know. Is there something telling me to ask you about this situation with my wife? Well, come on, let's talk about it. Because the Holy Spirit anointing is upon you. And God will add to his kingdom through you with the Holy Spirit fire. That's what the Holy Spirit fire does for you. Are you starting to see? It's not a scary thing, this Holy Spirit fire. It's not something that we should run from. It's something that we should want. Something we should want. And also, a ho the Holy Spirit fire, this is an important one. There could be a million of these probably, but this is an important one. The Holy Spirit fire consumes unforgiveness in us. It consumes it. It consumes it. Now listen, all of us are prone to unforgiveness. I, it's all of us are, are, are at, a, at a place where there are some people, it's just, even if we do forgive, it's just hard to forgive. 
It's hard to forgive sometimes. When it's, it's easy to say it. It's easy to counsel someone else. I know it as a pastor. It's easy to counsel someone. Listen, I understand you've been through this thing. I know it's, it's terrible, but you know, brother, you just got to forgive uh, because just think about how Jesus forgave you. It's easy to counsel someone else, but let them do it to you. Come on. And I mean, I mean, not just something. They don't just steal a couple pennies from you. I mean, come on now. Let somebody take your, uh, take your identity. And, and everything is gone. Your 401k, all of it's gone. Now how easy is it to forgive and you confront that person? Come on. Uh, let, let, someone, let someone kill a family member. Lose a family member. And now you have to confront the person that did it. How easy is it to forgive? I know that's a little extreme. But I'm just telling you that uh, unforgiveness, we're all prone to unforgiveness. And those are big things. A lot, most of us are prone to unforgiveness and very petty small things. When people talk about us or look at us wrong, we get so many things wrong. You know, we look at people and we interpret things so wrongly sometimes. And we move into unforgiveness. And this Holy Spirit fire comes. They come. It comes to burn that unforgiveness out of us. And no longer will we say, not after what they've done. I mean, I, you know, I'm a forgiving person, but after what they've done, I, I just don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do it. Romans 12, 14 admonishes us to bless those who persecute you. It's not just words on a page. He wants us to do it. Bless and do not curse. Come on. I mean, think right now. Think right now. A lot of us can think right now of someone who has wronged us. And a lot of us, it's 10 years ago. 15 years ago, somebody wronged you. God is saying, let it go. Let it go. Why do you think Jesus, it, it's a beautiful story, the story of the Good Samaritan. It's such a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story to tell. It's a beautiful illustration for others. But you know what? It's a Holy Spirit fire when it's turned on us. When we find out that we were the Pharisee, we were the Levite, we were the priest that didn't stop and help. Everybody thinks of themselves as the, as the Samaritan. But when you look in the mirror and you really find out, no, there have been a lot of times where I was the Levite. There have been a lot of times where I was that priest, that one that didn't stop. Come on. That's why Jesus is saying, love your enemies. Love is an action word. It's not just words that come out of your mouth. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. True Christ followers have the love that only the Holy Spirit can give. You can't do it on your own. You cannot love your enemies on your own. I mean, think about it. Is there someone in your life who you, you would consider your enemy? Is there someone there? You don't need to say it out loud. Do you need to forgive that person? How can you take action to love that person? How can you do it without the Holy Spirit? We need the Holy Spirit. And then number four, the whole, that this fire, this representation of fire brings spiritual discernment. This is one we've talked about before. Now listen, spiritual discernment is so important. It's so important. Because, you want to know why it's so important, especially in this age? Because a lot of us are very, very Pentecostal. We're very charismatic. We're very apostolic. You know, we strive after the gifts. Why? Because Paul said it. He said, strive after the gifts. And so we want to see gifts and we want to see miracles. But sometimes we strive after the gifts so much that we're not able to discern. You see, remember, the enemy, your enemy, Satan, is well able to duplicate and replicate the gifts of God. Everybody that speaks in tongues, come on, isn't speaking in tongues on your behalf or for your good. 
even healings and all of those things. We have to be able to discern, is this a move of the Holy Spirit? It's not a move of the Holy Spirit just because people are singing loud and talking loud and speaking in tongues. We, we, we have to be able to discern. And then in our own life, I mean, have you ever been at a point where somebody tricked you into something? Tricked money away from you or whatever you gave to something and, and you realize that, that wasn't uh, the right thing or whatever it may be? Come on. We have to, God, the Holy Spirit will, will, will empower you to discern in every area of your life. To discern. Then you'll be able to make right decisions. You'll be able to, you won't decide and, and, and take action out of emotion. Come on. But it's discernment. The Holy Spirit, discernment. It's discernment that we need. Come on. When the fire of God is present, miracles happen. Number four, the fire is for the miraculous. It is for the absolute miraculous things to happen in our life. From the moment the fire of God rested on Peter, a door was opened for him in the supernatural. And I believe today as we pray, God is going to fill you with his fire. He's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And a door for you to enjoy and experience to the supernatural is going to be open. It's going to be open because God is going to come through with that fire and burn everything out of the way. Now I can see clearly. The fire consumes everything that's not like God and burns it out of the way. And then the fire doesn't go out. It keeps illuminating our path before us. That's what the Holy Spirit fire is doing for us. So when we pray in a few minutes, uh, just believe that you are even you're already filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray that God fill us with that fire. He just refill us with the fire that will burn out of us all of those things that are not like him. Come on, it's going to take him to do it. It's going to take him to do it. And here's the thing. A lot of us have been uh, struggling. I believe that there are some people who have been struggling because you, you want more of God. You want to be like God. You want to be like Jesus was on this earth. You want to be right. You want to be right, but the thing is you're trying to do it in your own power. You're saying, I'm just going to get up and do this thing. I'm going to get up and I'm going to be right. I'm going to make a decision to be right. I know last week he talked about self-control as part of the fruit of the Spirit. So I'm just going to have it. I'm going to will myself to have it. And you have it for a little while, and then all of a sudden it goes away. You say something, you do something, you think something that's, that's stupid. <laughs> Come on. And you're like, oh, now nah, here I didn't, I didn't fell back again. What's going on? It's because we can't do it in our own power. We need the Holy Spirit fire to come in us. We have to accept. That's just how you are saved. It is by grace that you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. You can't will yourself. You can't say, I'm just going to be saved. I'm just going to be right. I'm making a decision today to be right. No, the, it doesn't, listen, the song doesn't say I have decided to be right in everything I do. It says I have decided to follow Jesus. That's what you need to make your decision. I, I have decided to follow Jesus. Jesus. And when you do that, let's ask for the Holy Spirit. Let's ask for that fire. Let's ask for that fire. Amen.